Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, I sat down with Columbus-based cartoonist Jeff Smith on the occasion of Cartoon Crossroads Columbus, a week-long series of events throughout the city showcasing cartoonists and their work. It's a free citywide arts festival hosted every year by people and places with a passion for cartoon arts. They connect the global family of cartoon storytellers, comic makers, and animators with the people who love and are inspired by their art. Check out the events all next week, September 22nd through October 1st. A brief bit of housekeeping here. Jeff and I discuss a myriad of artists in our conversation. This was recorded a couple of weeks back. Some of these artists, unfortunately, may not have been able to make it to the festival. Please check online for the full schedule. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Also, ConfluenceCast is on Patreon. Find out how to support this podcast on our website, theconfluencecast.com, or at patreon.com slash confluence. The Confluence Cast is sponsored by Art Makes Columbus, Columbus Makes Art, featuring stories about our city's incredible artists, stories full of inspiration, challenge, passion, and success. For videos, articles, an up-to-the-minute calendar of events, and an artist directory, visit columbusmakesart.com, the resource for all things arts and culture in the capital city. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here with cartoonist Jeff Smith on the occasion of the upcoming Cartoon Crossroads Columbus coming up September 28th through October 1st. Jeff, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Tim? Doing well, thank you. You are perhaps best known for the Bone series of graphic novels and comic books. You started those when you were five years old. I've seen debating <laughs> five years old or nine years old is when sort of Bone started. Can you talk about that a yeah, little bit? Yeah, well, the, not the comic books. Right, those right. started when I was like 30. <laughs> but the character, I made up the Bone characters when I was five. And the nine-year-old is when I actually, I still have a few existing comics that I made of those characters that go back to like when I was like nine or 10. Gotcha, gotcha. You are a Columbus native, grew up in Worthington, went to Ohio State. You were doing comics for The Lantern at the time, exactly, correct? Exactly, yeah. And so you, why did you... I am so native. You, you are very native. <laughs> for those that don't know Jeff, Google him so that you can sort of get a sense of his impact in the cartoon community. Why did you decide to stay? Well, I actually went to California Okay, and lived in the Bay Area for a few years. I owned an animation studio. We were mostly in Worthington, but we were in Clintonville for a while, and I had a couple of partners. And I wanted to start this comic book, so I sold my animation company. Okay. And right then, my wife, who is my business partner now, okay. she got a job in Silicon Valley. So we moved out to the Bay Area for... Two and a half years. You basically said, I can do this comic book anywhere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And she got this job offer. So I went and within about two years, the comic book really took off. Okay. And I was able to convince her to 
quit her job and be my partner full time because okay. I was, it was actually becoming so successful that I couldn't keep up with the non-drawing part of it, like shipping the books and you know, filling, sending out invoices. And You're noting an important part here. You are completely self-published. Yes. And are still, correct? Yes. Okay. Well, not completely, but I still do my own books sometimes. And so why, why make that choice? My original ambition was to do a comic strip, like in the newspaper, like Calvin and Hobbes. Okay. In fact, I was shopping Bone around to the newspaper syndicates at the same time that Bill was showing them Calvin and Hobbes. Okay. But I couldn't get anybody interested. Nobody wanted it. I mean, I got a lot of meetings. People liked my artwork and my jokes, but they didn't like the ideas of Bone. I had these three cartoon characters that are very traditional American cartoon characters. Right. Big nose, three fingers, big feet. But they were like in like a Lord of the, Lord of the Rings universe that had a an ongoing story. Right. Well, in comic strips, they, nobody was interested in that. They said, they, you can do the bones. They're great. Just have them, you know, be like a Garfield comic and do a joke every day. Okay. And have them hate Monday. <laughs> well, so when I found out that there were comic book stores where the underground comics are, as well as Spider-Man and Batman. Right. I saw really brilliant work being done by the Hernandez brothers or by Peter Bagg or, Dave Sim. They're these cartoonists that were, they weren't drawing Spider-Man. They were drawing their own stories with their own characters. They owned a block, stock, and barrel, and they looked like they were having a hell of a lot of fun. When they had complete control over it, too. complete control over their own schedule. Right. Over editorial, their covers. You got to do everything from the covers all the way through. So um, I just figured out how to do that, did a little research. Got my first book together. Okay. So how does the distribution of that work in order to like ramp up? Was there a time where you were just calling comic book shops and saying, would you guys like to take 15 of these? No, it wasn't quite that. Okay. It wasn't quite that self-published. Okay. That I was, what I did is I went and I talked to some of the comic book stores and they explained that they get their comics out of these catalogs. Right. Like, so there's like diamond comics distributors okay and they have like a giant fat catalog it's like three inches thick or two inches thick or something and you just have to submit it to them and gotcha. if they accept it they'll put it in there and you know it's about three months ahead of time and then you however many orders you get you you, you gotta be ready up. to do it you gotta be ready to do it and that's and you kind of have kind of agreed to get the book done and in to a the certain amount of time there. okay yeah you've got like a, you now have a contract with the distributor who has made a deal with all the, the stores. Okay. And so bringing your wife on was a necessity at that point to like, you were like, I'm not going to be able to make this happen. Yeah. No, I could tell something good was happening. It was starting to bone was getting really good reviews and mm-hmm. it was getting talked about and starting to win awards. Mm-hmm. And I was going to comic book shows and meeting people that I just adored, like, like Frank Miller or Neil Gaiman. And they would be patting me on the back and wow. give me encouragement. and the sales were starting to go up and I was, like I said, I was falling behind. I wasn't making comics. I was selling comic books to every comic book store in America. You know, right. they, if they wanted three copies of number four, or one copy of number one, I would pick them out of the boxes in my oh, closet. So you had to do that. I was, yeah. Literally okay. put them in boxes or envelopes, putting them on a UPS truck, invoicing them. So it was that complicated. In, it was very complicated. Yeah. It was complicated. And back then we didn't have photo. I wasn't using Photoshop. That had not been invented yet. This was in 91. Okay. So you had to actually do overlays and use Ruby Lift and, you know, Zacto knives and 
chart pack lettering. It's kind of hard to sometimes, believe. Sometimes the fun stuff, you know. Mm, but I, are yeah. you totally not it doing was that fun. anymore? It was, oh, God, no, it's all Photoshop. Okay. Which still requires, you know, it takes skill. Right. And but it's time. not as meticulous. No, no. no I, like, I look back on that, and I just don't even know how that was, <laughs> how that was even possible. So back to the, the Columbus question, what in, you guys came back, but what has inspired you to stay? I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot. We do have the Billy Ireland Cartoon Research Library at Ohio State. That wasn't here at that point. What inspired you to stay in Columbus, Ohio? Was it simply your roots, your family? Yeah, a lot of it. I mean, we were in the Bay Area and Bone was taking off. Mm -hmm. We started to look around for a place out there and just seemed really horribly expensive. And also, I can't stand stucco. Okay. And there's no brick (laughs) because of the earthquakes. They literally can't have brick. Okay. I guess the mortar in between just crumbled. Okay. So we we said, well, I... Now that we have this book that's doing all right, we could go back to German Village and actually buy a house. And because I love German Village, I mm-hmm. lived there when I was going to college, and so that's what we did. We came back, and the Billy Ireland was there. The Billy Ireland's been there since like 1979. Oh, okay. And I had known Lucy since I was doing the comic strip in the Lantern, and she Lucy the Lucy founding. Caswell, who was the curator, right? Uh, she's now semi-retired. But, okay. Uh, now Jenny Robb is is uh, is running it. Mm-hmm. They have a great staff there. Yeah. And I've always gotten along with them. Uh, I've always felt like part of the, the well, family. And I imagine you were interacting with them to an extent because you were doing comics for the Lantern. Exactly. Okay. And I would hang out there. I mean, especially in the early days when it was just Lucy and she had like one assistant. It was just like two rooms at the bottom of the J building, the journalism building. Right. And, but I would go in like at lunch and just read whole runs of like Popeye or, or Pogo or, or Milton Kniff's Terry and the Pirates. Damn. Okay. So, but it was much less a public space then. It wasn't sort of. No, like it, was it was definitely like two a, research rooms. Exactly. Okay. It was a specialty library. Mm-hmm. People hardly anybody. I mean, hardly anybody even knew about it. Right. Well, so, I made the assumption it didn't exist until exactly, the two thousands. Right. Well, I watched Lucy Caswell. I her vision and her ambition and for this concept of a library of original art mm-hmm. and and treating comics as art. I watched it grow, moved from the two little rooms over to a fairly nice place over by the Wexner Center, mm-hmm. although it was still kind of in the basement. Right. And then to have it go to the, to the gateway of campus, mm-hmm. 15th and High, in the Sullivan Building, is, 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 is absolutely unbelievable what a beautiful place it is. Well, it's a testament to the, first of all, to the collection, but also to the work that she has done and, and the staff there has done to, to build it up. Yeah, she has cultivated quite a good relationship with cartoonists mm-hmm. in this country. I mean, uh, I met Art Spiegelman. I met Will Eisner. I met Jim Davis. I met all the, I met Bill Watterson. I met all these cartoonists when I was still an undergrad Okay, because they came to her classroom to talk because they loved her. Wow. So it was a, so there was, there was more stuff going around down here too. When I left for the Bay area, the, the short north was just this gray, yes. no man's land. Right. I mean, the only thing in there was like the burlesque garden. Right. Uh, <laughs> and when I came back, the short north was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had, you had restaurants and galleries. And, and, over the la- and I came back about 25 years ago. So those 25 years, I have seen this town go really from just a little town where, you know, they turn the lights off at six o'clock and, right. and, they, and the, the stoplights used to go out and blink at 10. Do you remember that? <laughs> I, I do not. Okay. To, uh, it's, it's a really happening, hip little town now. Yeah. 
Stop me if I'm just rambling. No, I love it. I noticed that like the Columbus Museum of Art Mm -hmm. was the first museum in the country to display Robert Crumb's Genesis, all the original art. Robert Crumb, the the famous underground sex, drug, and rock and roll guy. And there will be links to all these names in the show notes for this episode. Good. Good for you. And go look at them. You will not be sad. (laughs) He did the book of Genesis. Mm -hmm. Literally. He didn't. It wasn't making a joke. I mean, he really drew it out straight for real, which is a trip because you don't really, I don't think you really read it unless you see the pictures. And you're right. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. There's some really crazy stuff in there. 300 pages. The Columbus Museum of Art displayed all 300 pages in consecutive order around five galleries. The original? The original work. artwork. Okay. And there, there was, it was, like I said, the first in the country. I when was believe that? It. Had to be 10 years ago okay. or so. Okay. I started noticing other things like that, like CCAD was bringing in Chris Ware, who's mm-hmm. like one of the most respected New York Times bestselling cartoonists, to speak to the, to the students. They also brought in Marjan Satrapi, who did Persepolis. Okay. The Wexner Center did shows with me and with Dan Klaus. Mm-hmm. Again, this, Dan Klaus is, he's like one of those alternative comic rocks you know yeah and of course the billy was bringing in everybody for like 20 years they've been bringing will eisner and as i said bill watterson everybody sergio aragones the guy does those little tiny silent drawings in the margins of mad magazine yes i mean it's just just all these cartoons well it's great that all those people are coming in here and i think it's a evidence of the continued success of cartoon crossroads columbus but none of those other people live here right you haven't convinced any of them to come um, well, or come and stay. There, we've we've got, Noah Van Skeever has moved here. Okay, he's a very good cartoonist. There you go. He's got a new book out. But yeah, well, I like it because I'm from here. Right. Okay. But part of our idea with Cartoon Crossroads Columbus or CXE mm-hmm. is to get people to enjoy the city because it's a four day festival with two days on campus, two days downtown mm-hmm. with the art museum and the library and the art college CCAD. And again, events sort of at various places at the university. Yeah, and at the Wexner. It's mm-hmm. at the Wexner Center for the Arts and at the Billy Ireland Cartoon Library and Museum. And there's another one that Pop Culture puts on called SoulCon. Okay. And that's, uh, the, the subtitle is the Black and Brown Comics Expo. Okay. And we're, we've, we were working together with them, and that's actually pretty fun. And then what are the venues downtown? The venues downtown are the... On Saturday and Sunday, we have a typical place where people are tabling. Okay. Comics ex- exhibit hall. You'll see cartoonists. They're signing books. They're selling copies of their stuff. That's in the main library downtown. It's, are you going to be tabling at that? I'll be, okay. Yeah, I'll be tabling. We're, it's, it's curated, and we, we aim more towards cartoonists that are authors okay. who have their own voice. What I prefer artists who write and draw their own material. Okay. I don't care if they're self-published. I just care that they, it's their voice. Got it. And it's not a, you know, corporate but, character like, you know, Spider-Man or something. Got it. Spider-Man don't mind will that. just, right, Spider-Man's fine, but it will forever in this episode be thought of as the, the example of a corporate character that's being yeah. written by groupthink. Exactly. And then executed by yeah, artists. Yeah, there's an editor, there's a writer, there's a right. penciler, there's an inker, there's a letterer, it's all... It's an assembly line. Have you and worked in that environment before? A little, yeah. Okay. A little bit. What don't you like about it? It's simply because it's not your voice? Yes. Okay. That's all. I don't have a problem with it. And there, are, there have been geniuses that work in comics, like Jack Kirby or mm-hmm. 
or Joe Kubert or Neil Adams. I mean, these guys are monsters. I mean, they're just so good. But I just would rather read um, Raina Telgemeier, who does books for teenagers. Okay. She does Smile and Drama and Ghosts. Okay. And she came out last year. She's telling her story, and that's what's interesting. You're going to get a point of view. You're going to hear an author's voice. Right. For those that sort of discount comics as a children's medium, do you have a good stump speech of this is the virtue of comics and graphic novels? For that they're for everybody? Yes. Uh, I mean, I don't have Well, and that they're both uh, high art and low art and, you know, and can be a lot of different things. It's a, it's a narrative format that is able to be presented in a different way. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of blends cinema and not novel mm-hmm. or, or writing prose, right? Mm-hmm. You've got the best of both worlds. You have to, you have visual images that give you cues as to how fast to read or where to take your eye. Mm-hmm. You have got the word balloons that have the actual text of what people are saying. But you don't always have to say everything that's going on. A lot of the story is taking place in the drawings, in the artwork. And that's kind of the crucial thing. It's that jump over from one box to the next box that's the whole art. Because how far the characters have changed, that's what tells you what's going on. And you, as the reader, have to really engage and be much more active about it. Then, say, when you're watching a movie, it's a very passive experience where the director is, is washing this story over you. And you just, you enjoy it because mm-hmm. you got a good director. But you have to be a little bit more engaged with the comics. And uh, if that's interesting, then check it out. And if it's not, fine. But right. that's not, you know. Yeah, I don't care. You <laughs> Come you back. Come, you'll come. People will come. People do come. You and I are talking, I think, the week after San Diego Comic-Con. First yeah. of all, you have a good time this year. I had a fantastic time. I just got back. To, I got back Monday night. Okay. And so we were talking as we were walking in here today. You don't mind it. That's sort of, you know, the, promo- the self-promotion is you realize it's part of the business. You like meeting fans. What are some of the aspects of the business that people don't think about that, you know, you're talking to aspiring comic book artists at this point. Right. What are the aspects of the business? What's the hard part? Well, well, the hard part, obviously, is getting people to order your book. Okay. Because <laughs> it's still distributed essentially the same way. Yeah, there it is essentially. It's, the, the industry has grown up since the time I got into it. Okay. At that time, it was only in comic book stores. Okay. Now, it is in comic book stores. It's online. Mm-hmm. It's on Amazon. It's digital and comicsology it's in barnes and noble it's in you know the but libraries. much more limited there mm-hmm. much more limited that well the graphic novels i guess aren't right well the graphic novels that to me is okay. a big step up and that was a big part of what my kind of wave of cartoonists was all about okay creating your own stuff owning and controlling it and then graphic novels because two reasons one they have a higher profit margin okay, right. than a little flimsy book. Right. Two, it, your book can stay in print. Comic books don't stay in print. They gotcha. Just, they just come down off the shelf and go into a long box in a plastic bag. Right. right. And they're gone. A good, good trade book like Watchmen or mm-hmm. Mouse or Persepolis or whatever, those, uh, those get restocked and right. they sell perennially. And that's something any artist wants. You know, well, you it's an ongoing art. revenue stream. It allows you to continue making work. Or, I mean, frankly, there is some point that you could probably just say, 
I have enough ongoing revenue and I'm going to stop and yeah. just go to... I do, you're not going to find too many comic book artists that are going to say that. I would hope, <laughs> I would hope not. Because you're, you're not in it for, you know, the wealth and fame. You're, you're in it because you like doing the work. Yeah, that is very true. There's cartoonists... I mean, they're, you know, they're pretty far down on the ladder. Of, graphic novels have kind of raised up our... our, our I don't know our, I don't know what to call it, our ladder rung we're on. Okay. uh, (laughs) Yeah, if you, somebody who's a cartoonist is doing it because they have to. They just can't not do it. Well, you're not going to get a lot of girls in fast cars being a comic book guy. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. You've chosen to, you know, be self-published, control your own work, but there are certainly other aspects of the business you don't have a problem with. I think you just signed, someone optioned a a children's book that you're doing. Yes, right. And so you don't mind interacting with that world. No, no, not at all. I mean, there are some people that are very purist about anything. Okay. And I am purist about, like, I want to own and do my own stuff and kind of control my schedule and all that kind of stuff. Right. But I'm not offended by somebody who works at Marvel or DC. I mean, people have to make a living, right? And, right. May, and some people really love Spider-Man. I right. That's who we're, stick, that's who right. we're picking That's our on. default. No, and but also what I movies mean, like, are, you have, I guess the example that I was trying to make, Bone has been optioned for a movie, and so that's going to be, they're working on that, that's going to come out at some point. Bone is also, there are vinyl dolls of the cousin, their cousins, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Of the cousins. And they're um, all orphans. I don't right. know. There and, must but, have been some terrible family disaster <laughs> that I don't know about. But they're yours. <laughs> but you don't have a problem with, I mean, you didn't mold bone, right? Into like the vinyl figurine. And then no, send no, it no, off we, to a shop to. No, we license it. That's a, okay. that's a, that's a, like a big part of our business model is Vijaya. I write and draw the comics and I promote them. Okay. And Vijaya runs the, the business. So she deals with lawyers and. She deals with uh, the, the printers mm-hmm. and shipping and deals with the distributors. And she licenses to foreign publishers, for example. Okay. Like Bones, like in 33 languages, I believe, wow. right now. okay. And that's, all, that's what she does. And she also does if somebody wants to do a toy or something. And, and I don't mind if, if it's something I kind of want, like a little figurine or a little... That's awesome. I like that. That's right. awesome. I have a lunchbox, you know, that kind of <laughs> stuff's cool. So, yeah, no, I don't have any problem with See, that. And the book is by Scholastic, the children's book. And Scholastic actually does a version. We license Bone in color okay. to Scholastic for North America. Okay. And so they put, print that. It's in like the little catalogs you used to get when you were a kid yeah. in school. You know, you get the little Scholastic thing. And they guilt you and your parents into buying you five, yeah, 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 five yeah. books every fiscal yeah. quarter. Right? Yeah, buy, yeah, buy five Bone books. Kids. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but we still self-publish the 1,400-page black and white oh, paperback. Okay. We publish that ourselves. Okay. But they... They publish the color ones and, and have pretty much all the market on the color. Back to Cartoon Crossroads Columbus, again, coming up September 28th through October 4th. Talk about some of the, again, it's at multiple venues, both on campus for the first two days and then downtown for two days. Talk about some of the experiences people can have. They're mostly talks, I assume, panel discussions. Well, what really what runs, sort of programming can be? It really expect? runs the gamut from, like, if, you know, people that are interested in cartooning or people that want to be a cartoonist. Okay. There's a whole range of portfolio reviews or actual workshops. Wow. Okay. We have these things called uh, teaching talks, which are really, these are really talented cartoonists and they'll get up and give just a really quick 20 minute 
discussion with a slideshow, and okay. those are usually really, really good because that, that 20 minutes is concise. And, and these are people that haven't, quote unquote, made it yet. No, no. They're oh, most, okay. Yeah, most of the people that are, are, have made it or are just, you know, in our view. They're not, they're not pitching they're, their stuff. They no. are just talking about how they're, they work. Yeah, they're like we had Lalo Alcaraz, who's an okay. editorial cartoonist in, in L.A. Okay. And he came, and he's, I mean, he's very famous. And, but he gave one of these talks, and it's just, it's wonderful to hear, you know, his stories about, you know, the, the kind of hate mail he gets or whatever. Okay. <laughs> well, and it should be noted, that's a lot of the work that, or at least my understanding is the Billy Ireland Cartoon Research Library has a whole lot of political cartoons. Yes, they do. And that's, I should say that CXE completely covers the entire cartooning range of disciplines. Oh, okay. We do animation, uh, do comic books, do graphic novels, but we do comic strips, editorial okay. cartoons. So um, the Wexner Center, they have a great film department. Mm-hmm. Dave Philippi is actually on our uh, advisory board. Okay. And he brings in great animators. Last year, he had Mark Osborne, who had just done The Little Prince. He originally Oh, did. okay. And that was like a big, that was kind of a big deal. Because, yeah. Um, you, he, I don't know. I, I thought it was a pretty good movie. And he also did Kung Fu Panda. Okay. Originally. And this year, he's got two experimental artists, and I'm really looking forward to them. Uh, but it's like that. Okay. So we, there's, every two years, there's an academic conference that's legit. I mean, okay. people are you know, doing papers and stuff. They that did is it not last this year. year, though. That's not this year. Okay. Last year, it was really amazing, and it was very, I, I couldn't believe how crowded that was. was okay. Really good. There's also just, you know, just talks, spotlights. Raina Telgemeier, who I mentioned earlier, did Smile. She's, okay. She's massively popular, especially with, like, you know, young, you know, YA girls, mm-hmm. you know? just so we, we, I interviewed her in front of a room just filled with young, young girls. Mm-hmm. And I, at one point I even asked, how many of you want to be a cartoonist when you grow up? All of them put up the hands hand. right up. Yeah. And that's because of Raina. I mean, okay. So, but that was, so that was more like just like a, let's talk out Raina, talk to her and, she, you know, let the, take questions from the, the audience. And then every night we have like one big event. Okay. You know, that's like the, the capper, like last year it was Gary Trudeau and, this year, yeah, we've got like uh, Durf, Back Durf, who's mm-hmm. a cartoonist at OSU. Just right before I was, we're doing comics there. He was doing editorial cartoons. Okay, he's got a new book out. Well, it's not the book's not new. It, it was called My Friend Dahmer. Yes, he went to high school with Dahmer. The book is brilliant, but he got but a movie was made of it, mm-hmm. and we're going to be one of the first places to show it. Oh, that's great! So that's going to be like Friday night. Just go to the website, right? <laughs> Cartoon Crossroads Columbus. Dot com. So there's just, there's something. That's a big event. That's great. That's great. And it should be noted the event, some of the events are ticketed individually, but the, the conference as a whole is free. Yes. It's a free citywide festival. That's great. I just want to wrap up with sort of, again, we've talked about why you stayed in Columbus, but can you talk about the Columbus art scene specifically? What good things you see happening here? What things could Columbus do better at? Or even Columbus in general, not just the Columbus art scene, could do better at. Actually, the Columbus art scene is partly why we came back here. Okay, uh, it's I, I was kind of alluding to it with the museums mm-hmm. doing things and bringing the cartoonists. There's a real cartoon-friendly, mm-hmm. supportive atmosphere in this city, and the art scene in general is seems really hip. A lot of pop-up events. There's mm-hmm. a lot of 
places like the, the Junction used to be and Junction Idea Foundry. Yep. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of good energy and it's very young yeah. for the most part. So I, I think there's a lot going on that's good. I'm part of GCAC's uh, Columbus Makes Art and that's been a really good experience for me and I've seen the way they work with the cartoonists and they kind of get them out into the city and that's and the city really is, seems very supportive mm-hmm. the dispatch has been really very and all their papers like alive and mm-hmm. they've been really 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 good not just to us but to, like, they have you know there's a lot of art sections mm-hmm. uh, so i i'm i think it's a pretty good town for this any uh opportunities for improvement oh well i'm not gonna Cut off my nose despite my face. No, I actually can't think of a single thing. That's fair. I mean, I mean, I was I was here at an event at the Idea Foundry, not that long ago, and Mayor Coleman walks in. Mm-hmm. I mean, this town has a has its heart in the right place when it comes to art. Yeah, absolutely. Great, Jeff. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite cartoonist. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our post-production engineer was Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week.